you know, my body had really just clicked into gear. It was it was amazing. Um, I'd never seen or experienced anything like it. So uh, I was sad once I had to finish and yeah. stop because you, your body is it's incredible what you can achieve um, and what your body can do when you want something so bad in your heart and with your heart and mind, your body can find a way. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hey everyone, it's Ren again. That voice you heard at the start was Sean Bell, who we heard from last week. This is part two. In this episode, we talk in-depth details on the 50 marathons in 50 days and the training that went in to actually complete that effort, as well as making others keeping you accountable as a method of motivation, which I found really interesting. I hope you enjoy this second part to the chat, and yeah, here we are. We've talked a bit about your plans to run around Australia but you've recently finished 50 marathons in 50 days. You started in January, I believe, was January it? January 4, yeah. Right. 50 consecutive days. Yes, yeah, so You finished. ran 42 <laughs> kilometres yeah. every day. Yeah, so 42.2 kilometres every day. And I finished on February 22nd, 2019, yeah. Right, which is a Friday. And you had a big yeah. uh, party down the Manhattan. We did. We had a big party at the Manhattan. It was amazing in Ringwood. We had 500 people there. And wow. It was a huge fundraising event as well. So as I said, to run around Australia costs so much money. And just through ticket sales alone, we made a $15,000 profit um, to help us on our way around Australia. That's awesome. So 50 marathons in 50 days. You've run your first marathon in October 2017 yeah so we're talking now just over a year later so maybe 15 16 months later you've decided to do 15 oh sorry 50 marathons in 50 days what was your training like in 2018 and yeah just talk me through the days because I've never run a marathon I'm sure there are people who have that are listening Mm -hmm. but there would be plenty that haven't yeah yeah well, after I decided that I would jog for Joey in that split moment, I told his family and that made it all real. And so from there, it was like, okay, not playing footy anymore. Jog for Joey is my purpose. And so I decided that running ultra marathons would be my focus instead of marathons and running further up slower. And so last year in May, I ran in the 60K ultra marathon on the Great Ocean Road. So from Lawn to Apollo Bay, which is 44 kilometers normally, but there's a couple of massive turnoffs off big hills, which weren't a lot of fun, but that was a 60 kilometer run. And I did that in six hours and nine minutes and yeah, love the challenge. So that was May following that for the, I probably had a really big six month block where I was just preparing for the 50 marathons in 50 days. So in terms of actual running events last year, it was only that one ultra marathon in May that I had. Um, other than that, it was just really training for the 50 marathons in 50 days. And it's funny because I was doing things like running to uni. So I live in Vermont in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. 
and my uni was in Fitzroy at Australian Catholic University. Thankfully, I have a very good friend that would take my bag with my laptop and food and change of clothes and all of that. I'd run from my house to Fitzroy 20 kilometers in the morning, quick shower and, and go into class. And I do that two days a week, um, every week. And that was all I really did. You know, I'd never had a coach and I was a bit lost and, um, but I just love running so bad. And I knew that, okay, I'm going to run 50 marathons in 50 days. And so super lucky how it all sort of fell into my lap. And that's that I decided that after the 50 marathons in 50 days, obviously knowing that I was going to finish this February 22nd, that I needed to do something, you know, in the middle of the year because all of my focus is about that run around Australia at the end of 2021. And so I need to have a lot of short-term events to be able to prepare myself for that, both physically and mentally. And so middle of last year, I saw about the Bali Hope Ultra Marathon, and I applied for that, which takes place in May 2019. So that's my next challenge I'm building for now. And I got accepted. There's 25 runners from all over the world and I'll be the youngest runner to take part in this enormous event in May, which is amazing. It's to help the Bali Children Foundation put 200 children through six years of primary primary school in the poor community of Padawa. So we are very blessed in Australia that everyone has rights to education. Unfortunately, in Bali, it's not always the case. And um, so our run is directly going to put 200 children through six years of primary school. And wow. Yeah, amazing. I can't wait to do it and um, just be with like-minded people over in Bali and um, doing goals outside of, you know, massive, taking on goals that are outside of ourselves. like I said, for something bigger than yourself. So doing things that you love, like for me, it's running, but for something bigger than me. And so, yeah, I was really lucky that when I got accepted to the Bali Hope Ultra Marathon, Samantha Gash, her name is, she is the ambassador for the run and an unbelievable athlete. What she's achieved in the running world is insane. She ran 77 marathons in 77 days across India in 45 degree heat. And so I reached out to Samantha Gash, knowing what she'd achieved. I'd been following her on the Rich Roll podcast um, for a long time. And I reached out to her and I said to her, Samantha, I can't wait to meet you in May in Bali. However, I'm also planning on running 50 marathons in 50 days in January. I was wondering if you could give me some help and advice knowing what she'd achieved in India. And so she said, absolutely, mate, where are you based? And turns out she lives in the Dandenong Ranges, so only 20 (laughs) 20 minutes from me. And it just fell into my lap. We ended up going out for brekkie for two hours and getting to know each other. And... Out of that brekkie, she could see how passionate I was for this, Jog for Joey. And so she made some calls and next minute her coach was my coach and uh, she put me in line with a man named Jace Cronshaw and another man, David Jones, from V&B Athletic. And I was professionally coached for... I met her in end of August, so from end of August or early September through till... January I was professionally coached which set me up for the marathons and I honestly don't think I could have achieved it if I wasn't professionally coached so I was super lucky how it all worked out. Awesome. 
you've had that coaching for four months. It's crazy how it's all worked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's unbelievable because Samantha was laughing. You know, we had a coffee or when we had our breakfast together, it was in Croydon. It was about 15 kilometers from where I live. And I ran there, <laughs> always running to places. And when I met her, she could see, as I said, how passionate I was about Jog for Joey and everything I was doing. Because she said to me, what do you do? And I said, oh, I run every day, 15 to 20 Ks a day. And that's what I was doing completely oblivious to um, the way you should prepare for 50 marathons in 50 days. I had no idea. And so I thought, well, I'm not running 42.2 kilometers a day. Maybe if I do 15 a day, that's all right. And that's all I was doing. And she said, no, you need two rest days a week. You need to incorporate some real strength and resistance training and very specific running training, including hills and all sorts of things. And I was so lucky, as I said, that I was professionally coached because it allowed me to prepare physically and mentally for what I was about to take on when I hit January. That's great. So you got accepted into the Bali Hope Ultra Marathon prior to actually running the 50 in 50 days, but I'm sure that was probably part of your application, was it? Or did you just apply and get accepted? Yes, yeah, so the application process, you had to talk about what you've achieved already with your running. So I said that I ran the one Melbourne Marathon in 2017, and then when I was applying, it was end of May, early June. So I'd already run the 60 kilometer ultra marathon at um, Apollo Bay as well. Right. And so I sort of, I did say those two runs that I've achieved, but I also said what I'm going to achieve with the 50 marathons in 50 days and my ambition of running around Australia as well. So they could just see that I was some super passionate 21 year old kid that they said, you know, when I was talking to the founder of the Bali Hope Run, and I said, why did you select me? Because there was a lot of applicants. He said, well, one, you're the youngest runner that's going to take on this enormous challenge. But two, we could just see, you know, sense your energy through the, the laptop and through the application of how passionate you were for not just Jog for Joey, but also just running for things that are outside of yourself and running for change. Awesome. That's incredible. So you've had this training, but talk to me about the day-to-day process because I'm sure even with four months of training, it's going to be quite hard. Mm. Seven weeks running full-time, a marathon every day. What was the first one like? How was the, the energy, the, the vibes, the, all of it? Because this is the third marathon you've run, you've run, the first one, right? Well, no, I did marathons. I, I had to do a couple in training. Okay. Um, but like when I say official marathons, so yep. I'd only done the two official marathons with the Melbourne Marathon and the... Sure. 60k ultra. So you could say this is your third official one, day one, well, July, uh, January 4. Yeah, in a sense. Like, I guess it, it's not an official marathon because it's not with, uh, not a registered marathon like the okay. Melbourne Marathon and there's not heaps of runners. It was just me going out and running 42.2 kilometers. Yeah. So I had done a, a few 42k runs in the build up to the 60k run. But yeah, I hadn't done too many. And so it was still probably under 10 i'd ever i'd probably never done more than 10 runs right. more than 42.2 k's okay. and then i was going into this challenge of having to do it every day for 50 days yeah do you remember what it was like that that first day you, yeah. you say you had runners with you every day i'm sure there were people with you then yeah so the first day took place in torquay actually the first run so the Muschetti family had some time off and a bit of a holiday down there because it was over the new year. The first marathon started January 4th. And so they invited me to stay down there with them 
over that week and I thought, all right, I'll stay the night before it all starts because what a way to remember why I'm doing this. And so um, it was actually a 42 degree day that day, one of this summer's hottest days. And so I knew that I was going to have to get up really early and run. And I was so excited. I couldn't sleep. I was just tossing and turning all night. And at 2.30, I just woke up and thought, no, I'm getting up and I'll have brekkie and I'm going to start running soon. So <laughs> I woke up, everyone in the family, at about quarter past three in the morning. <laughs> and um, What time had you planned to get up? Just out of curiosity. I, I planned to get up at 3.30 and start okay. running at 4.30. So it wasn't too much earlier. But still but quite early. It was still very early, but that yeah. was just because it was going to be 42 degrees and I knew that I'd probably be out there for close to five hours and I wanted to get it done and not be too exhausted in the heat knowing that I was doing it again the next day so yeah woke them up at quarter past three and they came down to see me do my last sort of prep to get ready and we had a photo out in the street at 3 30 in the morning before we took off so yeah just to remember what it was all for and, and off I went at 3 30 in the morning so I ran the first what would have been close to four hours by myself and had runners join me for the last sort of seven to ten k's that's great. Like, I'm sitting here now thinking if I was about to run my first of 50 marathons in 50 days, and I, and I, I understand there's a very big purpose behind it, but even with that, part of me just feels like I personally would bitch it in terms of going, it's going to be 42, or was it 45? It's going to be in the 40s, which is hot for anyone listening who is talking in Fahrenheit, it's, I don't know, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Scorching day. I would just be like, I can't do this. (laughs) I'm sitting here now, and and I get you've put a lot of training into it, but part of me already knows, because you've spoke about it a little bit, is the fact that you've you've got the Moschetti family, you've gotten the Compassionate Friends charity, you've gotten groups of people and friends who know about it to sort of hold you accountable Mm. so that you can't go back on it because if anything, it's like if you don't then show up the next day or don't even complete it, I mean, not that people would think horribly of you because it's obviously great intentions, but it's keeping you honest, right? Yeah, absolutely. The accountability is enormous and that's another thing I teach these children in schools is that if there's something that you really truly want more than anything and you want it so bad in your heart it resonates with you so much is tell your family tell your friends put it on your whiteboard in your room tell everyone because the more people that know about your goal and your dream they're going to hold you accountable and so in addition to telling the Muschietti family which was already enough in itself the commitment to them telling everyone at the compassionate friends and all the grieving families that I met there and just telling the community you know I I put it all over Facebook and Instagram and told everyone that I was going to run 50 marathons in 50 days and I had friends saying to me what are you doing like for example day three it was on channel 10 news national and uh, so that went out that night nationally and it was saying you know I'm going to run another 47 marathons in 47 days and by day three I was in all sorts. I was so sore, body was a wreck because in training, that was already probably the load that I was doing, 120 
Ks was a massive week if I did that in training. Right. And by the day three, I'd already run 126.6 Ks. So knowing I was so sore, my whole body everywhere was aching, muscles, joints, but I had to keep going. And here I was telling Australia that I was going to run another 47 in 47 days. And yeah, I had friends saying to me, you're going to look like an idiot when you fail. Why are you doing that? You know, what if you fail? Because it's such an enormous risk. And so I said, no, you don't understand. It's now more and more people know that I'm going to achieve this goal and I have to follow through because otherwise I'll let them down. I'll let myself down knowing that so many people know about it. Right. It's a mindset thing. I mean, I can understand it's, it's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And in terms of not releasing it, or you, you obviously put it all over social media. For me, I'm yet to promote any of these podcasts widely. Like the only way people know about it, my mum released her, like posted on her Facebook wall her episode. But that's the only thing that has grown this podcast, which now I would say has solidly over 100 subscribers, which look, might not seem like a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I've, again, not not shared. I've told friends, real close friends, but I haven't. And I guess for me, it's just I want to get a body of work and then go, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm committed to one a week. And for me, I want to get to, like you say, have a a big goal. I want to get to 100 episodes, which for the amount of work that I have to put in to do one, I know I've told you a little bit about it. You got to put those goals there, right? And I worked it out. I just picked a, the day that I was going to release the first episode and then I've got this Excel spreadsheet with all these guests and potential you know, topics that we talk about and the 100th episode falls on 31st of December, 2020. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, legit New Year's Eve of 2020 and I'm just like, that's a Thursday and I'm just like, well, that's fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, so that's like locked in and then my next goal, funnily enough, is to travel around Australia, right, go around Australia and interview a different person a day, which obviously completely different to running around Australia, but just in terms of hours put in, Mm. you can tell right now, like we've talked recording for an hour and a half, like I've been here since what, 10, almost two hours now, but not that I'm trying to make this all about me, but, and I'll probably edit all of that out, what I've just (laughs) said, but that's what this is, it's just a real conversation essentially, I'm learning about you though. It's it's incredible that you've put this end goal in mind and you're now chasing it. And I guess Channel 10 News on day three really would have held you accountable, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, as I said, so many more people knew about it. And um, yeah, it was just a big thing to, to go out and say you're going to do. So I knew that no matter what, I'm not backing down. I knew that already before I went on the news, obviously. As I said, even just telling Joey's family was a, a big big enough commitment um and i was never going to quit after i did that but um it's just added adds pressure and that pressure helps you follow through and achieve your goal yeah awesome so the first couple of days you were quite sore so you had been running about what two marathons or two or three marathons a day in in preparation in training so you're obviously already loading much more than what you'd been doing so training was actually very specific and very different i was doing fartlek tempo um hill sessions and a lot of one leg weight sessions so very interesting things that most people wouldn't do in the gym but like pistol squats and one leg deadlifts and things like that my coach 
had a really strong focus on you never have two feet on the ground running so don't have two feet on the ground in the gym interesting and i'm a personal trainer so that was something that even i hadn't thought about but it's now something that i can help other runners with and that's where my personal training is have a real focus on helping runners um specifically but yeah my running with him in the lead up was only 90 or 100 k's a week max and so to jump from 90 or 100 k's a week to 295 kilometers a week was just enormous and that's why day three i was so sore because i'd done 90 or 100 k's a week for you know four months or building up to that and that was the peak and then to um, taper off a little bit before it all started and then get into 295 k's a week so an extra 200 kilometers a week and it was a different approach. A lot of people would say that's not a lot, enough load in the lead up and you might get injured. But his whole point with it is it's very specific and we're saving you from injury because you're doing a, you know, a lighter load in the build up. And also, you're not going to be fatigued by the time you start. If you're still running 150, 200 Ks a week in prep for 295 Ks a week, by the time you start, you're going to be exhausted. Right. That's and a good so point. that was really his focus is 90 or 100 Ks is definitely achievable. Yep. And so it was just very specific and different running. But that's why yeah, day three, 126 Ks I'd already done. And I was just <laughs> so sore. I had, I remember day two, I had an issue with my left knee. Day three, I had adductors very sore early in the run. And at the end of the run, my right calf felt like it was about to pop. It was that tight. And that continued on for a while. And how did you get through that? Like, did you coach help? Were there specific techniques that you did or ice baths? Like, I'm sure you probably, you got a pool out the back here. Yeah, I was like, in the pool out the back very often, like almost every day. But I had incredible support. So through my physios, Back in Motion, Mitchum, um, they're sponsors of the Vermont Footy Club and the, the Footy Club helping out me, knowing it's all for Joey, one of their club members, put me onto these guys and, yeah, unbelievable what they did. So that particular day, I went and got some dry needles into my calf. So for those that don't know what dry needles are, they just really help relieve stiffness and promote some blood flow to the area. So thankful for their support and yeah as i said this jog for joey is such a team effort in addition to it being just me and my coach it's also joey's family and the work that his family are doing behind the scenes with all the administration and then my support crew like the physios as well as um i have a nutrition i a nutritionist and all sorts of things awesome now before we actually started recording you you spoke about the method in which you would push yourself and get through each individual marathon. Now, if you were to, to ask anyone to run 50 marathons in 50 days, people would probably laugh you away, right? And even yourself, I'm sure you can admit, like, it is, it is a huge feat, like, for you to go and do it again. Like, it would t- obviously take a bit of preparation. But, and I know you're going to do more than that with the, with the run around Australia. How did you get through each day? Now, I don't necessarily want like on day 12 I did this because mm. I'm sure that's impossible to recall, but you, you said it at the start. So, A lot of people did say that to me. Like, How do you mentally prepare yourself to run 50 marathons in 50 days? That's such a huge feat. And for me, I had to break it down. So it's all about the little steps on the way to achieving the big goal. And so with the 50 marathons, for if it was day seven, for example, I was only thinking about day seven. 
day eight didn't exist yet. I had to finish day seven and do all of my recovery and everything right. And then day eight would come when I woke up. You know, it was if it was day seven, that was all I was worrying about, getting through the 42.2 kilometers. And so to help me in achieving the 42.2 kilometers, I would break it down again into smaller goals. So it was like, okay, 10 kilometers, I'll be running past the Vermont Football Club. And 20 kilometers, I'll be running past Bayswater Football Club. And then I might run out towards the basin at 25 kilometers. And little things like that, depending on where I was running, obviously... The 50 marathons in 50 days took place in different parts around different places around Victoria, but it was just breaking it down 10, 20, 30, 40 k's, and before I knew it, I was finally there. That's awesome. So it wasn't about going, "Hey, I'm I'm on day three and my calf's about to pop, and I've got six and a half more weeks of this." It's just okay. Go get the dry needling or get in the pool, do your recovery, wake up the next day and run, like take the first step out the door. Like yeah, just, exactly. just run that first kilometre. Exactly right. And so my first week was a lot slower than the rest. I got a lot quicker towards the end. My body had really adapted to the load really well. And um, yeah, thankfully it became an easier process while every day was still an enormous challenge, no doubt. The last 25 marathons compared to the first 25 marathons were significantly easier for me. And, you know, my body had really just clicked into gear. It was it was amazing. I'd never seen or experienced anything like it. So uh, I was sad once I had to finish and yeah. stop because you, your body, is it's incredible what you can achieve and what your body can do when you want something so bad in your heart. And with your heart and mind, your body can find a way. So, yeah, early on, it was very tough, as I said. It was, I had so much support, thankfully, with physios and an osteo as well, and even a massage team. So incredible support. But it was, it was breaking it down, and it was okay. My calf is killing me, but let's just get dry needles, have a good rest, eat well, and I might sleep in a little bit more tomorrow to give myself that little bit of extra recovery time, and then run a little bit slower if I have to. Again, pace is irrelevant. I just had to cover that 42.2 kilometers every day. So if I had to really shuffle at the beginning or even walk 100 meters or 200 meters at the start to get moving, then so be it. I didn't care. I just had to keep moving. That's awesome. So you just one, one foot after the after the next and, and don't have this thing like trying to break any records in terms of time or, or anything like that that people might think. What was the recovery like after or not the recovery but like the I, I don't know what the word is I'm pretty sure there is a word but like you sort of wind down the after coming the, down period after yeah what, what, what is the coming down period like after the 50 days like did you run 30 k's day 51 20 <laughs> like what was it did you go get dominoes and <laughs> sit on the couch and watch the tigers for the next you know I don't know play fever that's what I'd probably do day 51 was a, a funny day so for me, I didn't run and that was awesome. You know, day 50 we had at the Manhattan Hotel, that was when we put questions to the floor, that was one of the questions someone asked me and said, are you going to run tomorrow? And when I said, no, I'm not going to run tomorrow, the room erupted and it was, it was very funny. But I still did. First thing in the morning, I woke up and went to the footy club and did an hour of weights. So I hadn't done any weights for 50 days or anything. But for me, I needed to, I always do something every single day because even if it's 30 minutes or even if it's 20 minutes like whatever it is I really feel that 
those enormous mental health benefits and things like that. So even if I push out 50 push-ups or something like that um, and I've only got 10 minutes, then that's enormous for me and I always do something every day. So I did an hour of weights in the morning, but yeah, following that, I, I did treat myself that day, which is good. Uh, it was one of my good mates, 21st, on that day, his 21st birthday. So we went out and had six donuts each. And, uh, and then I had uh, a friend's party that night as well. So I did have a couple of drinks, which was good because I hadn't had a beer since start of October. So 140 days of just discipline, zeroing in on that goal and knowing why I wanted it so bad. And it didn't matter. Like I found it easy enough to not have a drink throughout that time because I was so clear on what I wanted to achieve and sure. prepare in the best way I could. But it's important to celebrate as well. So I did really enjoy day 50, uh, night 51 at that party. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of frothies and half a dozen donuts. <laughs> or donuts or like Kissy Creams or... No, that was just a donut king in, um, okay. at Forest Hill. But yeah, the nice hot cinnamon ones, they make fresh. Beautiful. Nice, man. Well, that's good that you were able to enjoy it. And obviously you you say, you know, your body was in this period that last 25 days. I'm sure it's it's changed and adjusted, you know, as you say, and you would know well as, as a personal trainer, you know, your body does change and adapt to whatever you're doing. You know, if you, you don't work it and, and as you say, maybe lift weights or go for a run, it will sort of start to regress, mm. so to speak. Is yeah, that, that sure. fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, the come down period for me, well, the following week I ran one hour. So it was two half an hour runs. So I dropped from 295 kilometers to eight kilometers because they had to be really slow runs. My coach said no more than four kilometers in half an hour. So that was a shuffle like those old, that, half minute. that old couple. It was so slow and I hated it to be honest. But um, that's what he said. You just need to give your body a really good rest and... Thankfully, in addition to being a personal trainer, I'm an outdoor ed facilitator, so take kids on um, camps. I was away at Apollo Bay for a week, um, Monday to Friday, which was really good and helped me just get my mind away from everything I've done. And so I enjoyed myself Saturday and Sunday after finishing the 50 marathons on the Friday. And then I was straight into a camp for five days, so keeping busy there. And so training for only an hour for the week was was possible um with the camp i was busy yeah nice man so when was that you finished in feb it's now end of march so it's been yeah. about a month yeah so week two or the week following that week built up again it was still a very light week like i can't remember what i did exactly it might have been 10 hours of run, of exercise not even actually it would have probably been five or six so still building up though to go from one hour to that and now I'm getting back into it, which is awesome. So weeks away from the Bali Hope and my training right now is very specific. So six days a week, I'm actually not doing any leg weights at the moment, but I'm doing resistance sessions. So for example, my session yesterday was to run up a hill, hill continuous hill sprints, run up, jog down with a 20 kilo sand pack. Um, on my shoulders so heels with with added resistance so to really get those glutes and quads all of that strong and ready for Bali because in addition to it being 84 kilometers it's 1800 meters of elevation wow huge is that the longest run you have ever done yeah yeah so 60 kilometers was the longest I did the Apollo Bay one last year but that was 1300 meters of elevation that felt like 
so many hills. So to have another 500 meters on top of that and another 24 Ks, it's it's going to hurt. But when it's for something as amazing as putting children through school, it's all worth it. Yeah. I, I Getting that you love the pain, like you've grown <laughs> to like it. Is, is that fair to say? Like, Yeah, in a sense. Like, I think it's it's special to know that you're able to do something that most people might not think is possible or things that I never thought were possible. And so seeing your, yourself actually achieve that is is incredible and um but again knowing why you're doing it because without that reason why so without doing it for joey or to put children through school in bali there's no way i'd be able to push through so i like pain like i love the feeling of being uncomfortable because i know that it's something that i used to not do and it's something that i've grown to love so yeah i i don't really know (laughs) Ah, rock solid man so most or every day you, you say that you were joined at some point with runners, but you were alone at some points, right? Yeah, so I had runners with me every day. As I said, absolutely amazing support and forever grateful for their help. But I really did need that time to myself as well. So I set it up that I would have a meeting point. For example, we'd be I'd say I'll be at the Vermont Football Club at 8.30 in the morning. Um knowing that when I actually get there, I might have already done 20 kilometers because most people that join me wouldn't want to run more than a half marathon. And so it allowed me to have 20 kilometers to myself and just do my own thing. And so on some days I had people run the full marathon with me, which with me, which was amazing. And yeah, awesome to see so many people grow over the 50 days and achieve new levels and personal bests. But most of the time I gave myself at least 10 kilometers each day to run and just be with myself. And so I love listening to podcasts. I listen to a man named Rich Roll. So the Rich Roll podcast, he's an American guy that did five Ironmans in seven days in Hawaii. And he interviews these incredible athletes all over the world. And it was there that I started to firstly hear about Samantha Gash, the girl I mentioned before that ran across India. And also the iron cowboy and heard about his story so yeah absolutely amazing and and hearing these people helps me stay humble and who i am you know i'm human just like you and and like everyone else and so um it really did help me stay humble because as i said before i had people messaging me every single day people that i knew and and randoms as well people that i didn't know but people telling me how amazing it was what i'm doing and um how much it means to them and so to some people that might really get to their head and they might change and get it, run away from their friends or who they are and run away from their values and who they are as a person. But for me, that was never going to happen because knowing there's people out there that have achieved so far and above what I've just done or what I was doing, it helped me stay humble and, and know that I'm human and just like everyone else. Yeah, awesome. You you say that they were the things that kept you humble, but and I'm not sure if you have friends who maybe aren't like that or friends who have stayed humble like yourself, but yeah, tell me how you did keep a level head through all of this. You know, you're on the on the news. I don't watch much of the news, but I it was hard not to see you be on the news. I mean, obviously I saw your Instagram, but how did you keep a level head? Like who did you have in your life that, that helped you with that? Yeah. I'm very grateful that my best friend is Sam Wiedemann from the Melbourne football club. And 
honestly, the day he got drafted, he's never changed. And that was the best lesson that I learned through being friends with him. I know people that have been drafted and have changed. They might have let go of the friends that they always had growing up because all of a sudden they're an AFL player and they thought they were better than other people. And Sammy is the complete opposite. Absolutely loves everyone and he really is human and so humble. And so it doesn't matter if you're me and you've been his best mate since birth or if you're someone who's just meeting him for the first time. If you wanted to chat with him for 20 minutes, he will sit down and have that chat with you for 20 minutes because he just really is that sort of amazing person. And for me, that was the lesson that I needed to see and super grateful for him and all the support he gave me over the 50 days as well. But just little things like that helps you remember that everyone's human at the end of the day and yeah, you've got to be humble. Nice. Well, I'm sure you're both lucky to have each other as best mates. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I've got a, a question that I think could, could tie it up well. What do you think? So a lot of people that run marathons, they might just do one and that's it, or they fall in love with it and keep on going. And there was a specific moment in my first ever marathon which made me continue. Who knows if this moment hadn't happened, I might not have done what I've just done as well. So there was a specific moment in the marathon where 36Ks in, as I said, I hadn't prepared properly. I was cramping up. I could barely move. I was dizzy. I was about to fall over, like the the famous marathon runner footage you see. And I had a man, another marathon runner, had his hand on my back and was pushing me up the hill around the tan track. And then he called out to a lady, a mother who was sitting on the sidelines with her son handing out zooper-dupers to the runners he organized for her to give me one. He ran over, got me one. I had this super duper and it was like all of a sudden I could run again because I had that sugar and it helped my muscles and I was able to get rid of that cramp and start. And so I could barely even see her. As I said, I was blurry. And I said to this lady, can I please have another one? She handed me another one. It was like, as I had that second super duper very quickly, I could run and all of a sudden yeah, it was like everything came back to me and I could run again. So I finished that Melbourne marathon really strong. And it was that experience for me, 36 kilometers in around the tan track, that who knows, that that could have, if that didn't happen, I might not have done what I've just done with the 50 marathons in 50 days. And I know it's completely different now running slower. Each Well, the average time for the 50 marathons in 50 days was four hours and 36 minutes. And so this Melbourne marathon, my first ever one was three hours and 28 minutes. So significantly faster and a completely different attitude towards the run. But who knows if I didn't have that experience with this man pushing me up the hill and this mother and son giving me the zooper dupers, I might not have done what I've just done and what I'm planning on doing with Jog for Joey. So a lot of people run a marathon and they either fall in love with it and continue or they'll never run another one again. And that could have very easily been me. Awesome, man. That's incredible. Well done to that guy and the, the Zooper Doopers, hey? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that's, that's another thing. Like, I'll never know who these people were. I could barely see them. But the impact they had on me, and you know, I'll be talking about this for as long as I'm talking to people in podcasts, interviews, whether it's motivational speaking or um, maybe in the book one day, I don't know. But it, <laughs> I'm always going to mention those three characters because they were such an important part of this journey in a way like it was that one marathon and it was the start but it was without their help who knows as I said I might not have 
done this 50 marathons in 50 days and this could all I might have gone back to playing footy that marathon had I been cramping up didn't get that help and I might have failed to achieve the 42.2 kilometers I might have said stuff this I'm just going to go back and play footy because that's all I ever knew right little things it's it's incredible well if those people listen good on them yeah definitely I've got a yeah few questions just before we end I think but thanks so much for uh letting me into your house today and taking the time to speak to me no worries awesome yeah yeah it's been great to meet you and learn about yeah this incredible journey thus far but something that's become clear to me throughout this chat so far and I I don't know if you want to coin it as like a theme but it's apparent that through a great tragedy that happened with your your friend Joe Moschetti and the Moschetti family it could have gone a number of different ways in terms of how their family was treated thereafter how you went as his friend and how probably many of his friends have gone and I dare say there might be some people who have withdrawn um, from maybe the footy club or from his family but it goes to show uh, as a reflection of who you are but I, I want to make a point of this because through a tragedy such as that, it's my opinion, you can either you can either succumb or you can rise above and make the best of a of a tragedy or of a horrible situation. And in your case, and in all that we've spoken about, you've made the absolute best of this this situation. And I have no doubt that you're gonna continue that well into the future so does that make sense what i'm trying to say and absolutely um yeah we would all do everything we could to take joey back and have me not doing this like i love what i'm doing but it could be it would be a lot better if it was for something else you know for another charity and, and my mate was around everyone misses joey so much and it is a tragedy it really is um and while he'll he won't be able to come back we all miss him so much and so it's important that people know who he was as a person and by me doing this I really hope that his name continues to be spoken about for years to come because that's one thing that bereaved families fear is that after their child's passed away people are going to forget that they have existed and some people after 10 years will say won't even mention their name anymore or as I said before they might say things like how are you two children not you know they have three children Joey's just not here anymore physically but he's still their child and so yeah I just really hope that Jog for Joey in addition to raising awareness for the compassionate friends and helping support grieving families it's just honestly honoring Joey and having his name spoken about for years to come he was such a incredible person and had such a profound impact on my life that it's important that people know who he is awesome man and in terms of that mentality carrying on into other things and and just a message for people is there anything you'd like to say and maybe dealing with tragedies because horrible things happen every day you know Mm. as unfortunate as it is that's life and it's something that strangers go through you know you might see someone in the street and not know much about Mm. them and their life but it's it's clear for me to see that it's up to the person to decide if they make the most of a situation or or succumb to it and I can understand maybe you know feeling the negative effects but 
would you think it's fair to say that it's up to you about how you go about it and flourish and prosper, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. We we always have a choice of how we approach a particular situation. <laughs> I'll get it. Oh, it's all right. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, there's always a choice in how we approach a given situation. And while it's absolutely tragic and a situation that we wish, as I said, we wouldn't, we weren't going through and we wish Joey was here. Um, and for like many people going through hard times, we all wish that they weren't occurring. It's a part of life and we have to, there are two ways that we can approach it. And I think as hard as it, as hard as it is, you have to try and find a way to find some gratitude because for me, I know that I didn't have the easiest childhood growing up, but especially going to Tony Robbins and seeing people and hearing their stories, people that are suicidal and have endured so many things worse than I've ever experienced helped me remember that I do have some amazing people in my life and and some amazing things um, in my life and that I know that in those sorts of times it can be really hard to be grateful, but that's what can really help you going forward. So for me in, I guess, trying to understand Joey's passing, well, there is no understanding. And so it, it's so hard to be able to, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's okay to be upset, right? And yeah, of course. It's okay yeah. to have, like, it's a natural emotion. Someone's passed away. Yeah. But absolutely. it's okay and, and you can move on and and, and use their 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 character, as yeah. you say, as you've said. And yeah. So for me, it was staying grateful to the fact that, so I was actually sitting next to Joey on the night before he passed away. So... He went to sleep on the Friday night to come to footy on the Saturday morning and that's when he didn't wake up. But the Thursday night we have team selection and dinner at the footy club and for the hour that we were up there, of the 50 players in the team, I happened to be sitting next to Joe. So that was a weird coincidence that um, you just sort of think, you know, how how did that happen? But, yeah, that's something that I am forever grateful for and will always talk about and while we wish he was still here, I can cherish every memory I had with him in that particular moment and I want to honour him in the best way I can in the case with the Muschietti family it's like I'm I'm sure they're still very upset and as you've said mm. they're never going to probably be the same no, they've no. lost their son um, but what they're doing to to help other families is incredible yeah exactly and, it's, and, it's... And, that's, and that's what I mean it's like they could have gone like I'm sure, unfortunately, a lot of families have in terms of they've lost a family member and they've handled it. I mean, it's it's human nature. You don't know what's going to happen, but I think the way, a good way to handle it or uh, a positive way to handle it, it, it is, it's touchy, right? But a positive way to, to handle it is, is what they're doing and is going, okay, well, how can we help others mm. in the future? So Yeah, it's incredible. Like, they are so brave to allow me to do what I'm doing and be the I guess the family behind it all and it's you know massive thing that I'm doing for public change but it is it is really going to help grieving families and they get that and that's why they're so passionate about it as well but yeah I have the utmost respect for them and, and the support they're giving me because they could very easily say no we don't want to be involved with this we've got enough you know, we're, we're struggling enough with the loss of our boy. 
to then be going out in, in the public face and doing what we're doing is incredible and yeah so grateful for their help too yeah good on them good on you thank you so much no thank you very much for having me no you're welcome man so Sean Bell yeah thanks so much and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing where the Hope Initiative is going to be going forward and um, hopefully can appear another time soon yeah I'm sure you can, man. I'll, I'll look forward to maybe chatting to you when you're looking to, to set off uh, around Australia. But all the best uh, with the, the Bali Hope and, yeah, all you're doing with the, with the charity. So there is episode 13. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. I hope you keep enjoying these. Whenever I say I hope you keep enjoying these, I think it's in my head a bad pun, but it's not intentional. I just genuinely don't know what to say. Other than all the best, hope you're well. <laughs> so, anyway, until my vocabulary in that regard increases, indeed, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Again, thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to share it or subscribe or rate it on on the Apple Podcasts. But once again, thank you. And until next week, all the very best. <laughs>